Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Corinthians 5, verse 11. This is where we'll be at most, most of today. I'm going to start reading. It says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you a cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we, are, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all. And those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for whose sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we are once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so let's start in verse 11. It says, therefore, knowing that the fear of the Lord, we persuade, knowing, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And the first thing I have for us today that I feel like God wants for us this morning is that we as Christians need to be passionately persuading others. And it says, knowing the fear of the Lord. And when you look here, it's the same as in Acts. When it talks about the fear of the Lord, it's actually talking about this awestruck wonder of God. And because we have this awestruck wonder, this fear of God, this this awestruck wonder, and just uh, basking in his awesomeness, therefore, we should go and persuade others. But sometimes we get caught up just in the daily grind of life and we're like, man, we're just doing our own thing and and kind of cruising. We make it to church. We go to life group. We do this. We do that. We're just cruising and we forget the excitement and the joy and the zealousness that we maybe once had for the Lord. But guys, we need to remember what Jesus has done for us, the love that God has shown us and and live in in a in a awestruck way. But many times we we get focused on all these other things and we lose the the awesomeness of God. 
You know, it's, it's kind of like when, when Sophie went to the dentist this, this week. She had some cavities that needed filled up. And the dentist was, uh, you know how it goes. They have to give them a shot in their mouth. And then they have to take all these tools. And, and he was so great. He actually covered her eyes when he was getting ready to put the shot in the mouth. And, and, and the nurse was, uh, the nurse, the dental hygienist, uh, was saying, uh, you know, oh, we're just going to put this little tooth to sleep. You're just going to feel a little coolness. And, and she made this whole elaborate story. So that Sophie didn't know what was going on. And, uh, and she did great. She didn't cry at all. She did awesome. But you know what? It's, it's kind of like that. When, we, when they, they made this big elaborate thing. And so her focus was on this big grandiose story that they were making up. And therefore she was not afraid to get a shot in her mouth. And to have this dental work done. And guys, when we stand in the awestruck wonderness of what Christ did on the cross and the love that God has for us, we become unafraid to passionately persuade people. We do because we're so caught up and focused on God and his wonderness. It doesn't matter about anything else. So I just encourage you this morning, let's be people who are ready and zealous and excited and want to passionately persuade people that Jesus is the answer. In their lives. And let's lose sight of fear. Number two. We need to be controlled and compelled by love. Verse 14 says this. It says. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we concluded this. That one has died for all. Therefore all have died. And. How do we know what love is? You know, in 1 John, we can look, and it says this in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. It says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in truth and deed. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, we need to be controlled by love. And how do we know what love is? What do we look to as our example? It's that Jesus has died for us. Greater love has no man than this. Then he laid down his life for his brother. That's the ultimate act of love. You know, many times we have good intentions to love people. We do. And I, and I see a lot of awesome loving acts. I could go down and different things, even in the last four months we've been back, in ways that you guys have shown love to one another and, and others. But many times we have good intentions to love, but we often find ourselves having excuses. I, I am right here with you. As long as it does not inconvenience me, I will love somebody. As long as it uh, is easy, as long as it does not affect our bank account or my bank account, as long as it does not affect my schedule, as long as it uh, is something that uh, does not embarrass me, then I will love other people. So sometimes we have these good intentions. Yes, I want to love. I want to love. But then we have all these other reasons why we we feel like we can't. But when we're controlled and compelled by love, okay, that doesn't matter. These reasons go away. You know what? Love is costly. Love is costly. Okay, if we look here, Jesus loved us so much 
that he was willing to die for us. It cost him his life, literally. And then in 1 John, it calls us to go ahead and lay down our lives for our brothers. Love is costly. Jesus loved us and gave his life for us. The gospel message is this, that he who knew no sin became sin to die on a cross as payment for our sin and to restore us in our relationship with God. It causes us, when we think about the undeserving, I did not deserve Jesus to die on the cross for me. I didn't deserve it. I was just a sinner who only cared about myself. But yet he went to the cross and he paid it for me. And therefore, I feel like once we really grasp that, and we're, we're like, man, we didn't deserve it, but you did it anyways. And then we go, man, you know what? I'm called to love. I'm driven by that act to love. It causes us to act and compels us to love others. And then obviously in 1 John, as we continued, it says to not just talk about it, but to do it. It's one thing we can sit here and, and, and preach on a Sunday morning. We're to love. God loves me. I'm going to go love other people. I'm going to be compelled by love. But if all we do is say we know what we should be doing, but then we get caught up in, in life and we don't love. We're just saying it. It says do it in deed and in truth. It makes me think of compassion. Compassion is an expression of love which identifies a need and then meets that need. In Matthew chapter 14, you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 14, right before Matthew chapter 14 here, um, maybe even in the first of Matthew chapter 14, it talks about John the Baptist being beheaded. All right, and it says that Jesus got news that John the Baptist was beheaded. And so it says he departed into a desolate place. And so he was going to be by himself. And what happens? It says, if we read on in Matthew chapter 14, it says that the crowds followed him by foot from town to town to town until they were with him in front of him where he had gone away to. And, you know, most of us, if we have something traumatic happen to us, we want to go be by ourselves. We'd be like, man, just leave me alone, people. Can't you see? I just need some space by myself. But what does Jesus do? It says, you can go back and read it today. It'll be fun. It says, Jesus was filled with compassion. He saw a need of the people because then it says that he healed all the sick. And then it goes on. It's the feeding of, of all the people with the loaves and the fishes. He even went farther and took care of them. He was showing us what true love really is. He was showing us, man, here he was filled with compassion. You know what, Christians, we, we need to be filled with compassion. I pray that God shows us, hey, he reveals to us needs in people's lives where we can say, listen, this is going to inconvenience me today, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to love you. It doesn't matter if this, that, or the other thing. If you, you need something, I, I can give it to you. I don't have the money for that, but I, I feel compelled because you have a need, and I can meet that need. That's what love is. You know, it makes me also think of the, the Good Samaritan, right? Even the priest walked right on by. He did. So we could say it's like the pastor saying, oh, hey. You're in need, but I'm just going to keep right on going. Maybe he had a meeting to go to. 
right? We prioritize all these other things. But really, what does the Bible say? If you have, no, if you have love, you've got nothing. If you don't have love, you have nothing. And so we need to be people who love. We need to be awakened to have compassion for believers and for the lost. I mean, compassion, when we see believers who are struggling, we can, we can help them. And, and I pray that God gives us a burden for the lost. Like when we first went to Africa, we, we just had this burning desire and love for these Africans. I cannot explain that. I really can't. It was something that God did within us. And so I am praying today that God does that within us to love the people in Ankeny. And to see the people in Ankeny who have needs and who need compassion. And then to see that need and compassion. Because if we keep it within these walls as a church, we have failed. We have failed. Because it's good. Yes, show love in these walls. Help one another out. When that, when that practical speaking, when that thing comes out and says, oh, so-and-so needs a meal. All right? It would be awesome if the meal person had like 20,000 people and they couldn't, they had to tell people, hey, we have meals all set up. That would be awesome, right? There's a need. We're moved with compassion to meet that need. And so, you know, that's just a practical example of doing it inside a church. But when we see people outside the church who have needs, maybe they're poor or hungry or they're physically enabled or whatever they need, we can show them love. And who does love, what does love point them to? Because, guys, if you watch out and notice in the world, I've just kind of noticed as we've been back in America and, you know, we go to restaurants or whatever. Like, it seems like there's a real lack even for, like, opening doors for people. And someone's struggling or has lots to carry and people don't, it seems like we don't want to help carry things anymore for people. Or, you know, just these common things that I think were once regarded as, hey, we're just going to help out. We're a community. We're just going to do this for each other. It seems like that's almost gone. And, guys, that's this, so it's countercultural to love, I believe. And if we can do that, it points to Christ. And they're like, why are you loving me? Why do you show interest in me? It's because God has an interest in you. People need love because people are hurting and broken. You want to show Jesus to people? Show them love. You know, I think when we go in Tanzania and we go to these ladies who are, are, are um, the ladies who are working the streets and, and selling their bodies and, and, and they're regarded as trash and, and just the epitome of the, the, the lowliness and the least of these in Tanzania. When we can go to them and you show them love, it's like, wow, someone cares? And then they're like, wow, I want to listen to what you have to say. Because nobody else cares. Guys, it's not far from home. There's people right outside these doors. Right outside these apartments. Right by your house. Next to your house. In your family. In my family. Hurting and broken people. I'm convinced that this is the time in the world where most people are hurting right now. Than ever before. Hurting and broken. I'm, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really sick and tired of hearing about the destruction that Satan is bringing. I mean, you keep hearing marriages that are broken, families that are broken, people who are broken. Guys, there is an answer for that. Love people with the love of Jesus and turn them to him. That's how we can win people. By loving people in our community, loving people in our families, being countercultural. Will it cost you? I can guarantee it will.
It will. But that's okay. If someone comes to Jesus. Number three, live for Jesus, not for self. Verse 15 says, And he died for all, and that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We need to live for Jesus, not for self. We have been purchased and bought with a price and bought with the blood of Jesus that we are no longer slaves to sin, but listen to this, willful slaves to God. Willful slaves. You see, that's the greatest thing we can say. And Romans talks about this, that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're slaves to God. But man, we, we should be excited that we can be slaves to God. It's a willful in slavery. We want because God is so loving and he only wants what's best for us. He is, can better steward our lives than we can steward ourselves. I guarantee it. We are new creations that are, that are trying to bring death to our old selfish ways. Because I believe that without Christ, we are the most selfish people. And I feel like we still have those tendencies all across the broad, I mean the church, universal church in America. I feel like there's a lot of selfish tendencies still. In my own life, I can tell you there's a lot of selfish tendencies. But we are a new creation. That's the good news. We are a new creation. So we can die. We are dying to our old selves. And we are becoming more like Jesus. But we need to evaluate where we're at. We sometimes... Um, we sometimes have a narrow mindset of what God has for our lives because it does not fit into our plans that we are not ready to give up. See, sometimes in our own selfishness, we have this plan, I'm going to do this, and then when I'm done with that, I'm going to do this, and here's my five-year plan, here's my eight-year plan, here's my 15-year plan, here's my retirement plan. And sometimes we get, we get so set in our concrete ways with that, that when God says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to give to this. I want you to go there. I want you to be a part of that. And we say no, because it doesn't fit in our plan. That's selfishness on our own part. We don't like to hear that, but it's true. It's selfish on our own part. And what we need to do is we need to not miss out on what God has for us. In, in a book I, I read in college, um, at, at Bible college, it was called uh, something like, I think it was called you, We Have No Rights. It was the name of the book, I believe. And it was, it was basically, I can't remember anything from the book, but this major principle, okay? And the major principle was this, was listen, <laughs> it was a good principle. Uh, and that was a long time ago. <laughs> This is that we have no rights when when we were bought with the blood of Jesus. Okay, we lost our own rights. But we have the rights of God, which far surpasses our own rights. You see, because here's what we happen in our own selfishness. We're like, I have the right to do this. I have the right to have a huge savings account. I have the right to stay here where, where I want to be. I have the right to do this. I have the right to have that. I have this right. I have that right. I have this right. But there are our own imposed rights. But when we start saying, God, no, I'm, I, I don't want that. I'm dying to myself. I'm not living for myself anymore, God. I'm living for you and you only. So if you tell me to do this, you tell me to go there, 
I'm going to do it. It might be scary. I'm not saying that. Believe me, it's scary to go to Tanzania. What I'm saying is it'll be worth it. Because the rights of God are way far surpassing the rights of man. We've been purchased by the blood of God. We have no rights. But thankfully, we have been given rights that we have through the adoption of Jesus to God. The Bible says that we are to die to ourselves and to follow him. And I asked, well, I asked, asked slash told my wife that I was going to share this this morning. She shares with a lot of people, so she said it's fine. But, okay, when we first got to Tanzania, okay, it was like really difficult for our family. But it was exceedingly difficult for Mandy being a mom. I mean, she's only lived in Ankeny her whole life. And uh, just the adjustment, the change. And she would, she would tell you that she cried literally like every single day for a year. And as a husband, it was super hard to learn how to steward that in, in a manner that is in a different country that I'm not used to this um, sort, of, sort of thing going on. But the way, the way she shares it, you know, she, she would share it saying, listen, I was, she, was, she was struggling with the culture, struggling with things that she felt like our kids were missing out on back in America. Like, oh, man, they're not able to do this. They're not able to do that. Sports. Um, ballet, music lessons, whatever it is. Um, and they, they, she felt like they couldn't do these things. And so uh, the food was obviously different. And just living away from family and relationships, I think, was even the hardest thing um, for her to, to kind of do that. But what she would share is that in how the process that God took her along is that every single day, the crying got less and the trust got more because she was continually having to die to herself. And she would say that, like, I was actually, I physically had to kill all those things. Not that she didn't still miss her friends or whatever. She had to kill the, the, that thinking because this was what God had. And it was stealing her joy. And so she continually had to die to herself. And it's been the best thing just for us to even just go to Tanzania because God had, was able to really pinpoint things in our lives that needed to die. So I don't want you guys to all have to go to another country to learn that. I'm just <laughs> so, but you guys know what I'm saying. Like we, we need to learn to continually die to ourselves here in our job, wherever we're at. We need to die to ourselves and not let, let this uh, selfishness reign supreme. We need to examine to what degree we are dying to ourselves. Because it's easy to say I'm dying to myself, but then never take a look at really how we're doing that or what's going on in our lives. So we need to examine. To what degree am I dying to myself? Am I really dying to myself where I just say that to make myself feel better? I've done that. But sometimes it requires stripping things away and replacing it with what God has. I am I'm quite sure that many people miss out on some blessings God has for them because they were not willing to die to themselves and obey him. I believe that. All right. Number four, have a ministry of reconciliation. Verse 18 and 19 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to us himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting 
their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. And so, you know, we have been reconciled. If you are, uh, we, if you have accepted Jesus, you are reconciled with God. See, in Romans, all right, you don't have to turn there. I'll, I'll read it for us. But in Romans, um, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, it says this. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says, For why we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now were we reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You see, it's crazy to think about because we all want to be like, Woo, I always love God. But man, we were enemies of God. And the only way that we were reconciled or restored with God was because Jesus went to the cross and paid that penalty for us for that sin. For our sin. And so we have been reconciled. We were once enemies. And now through Jesus we have been reconciled. We can't say that I am good with God. Unless we have come to Jesus. Believed on him. And surrendered our life to him. See there might be someone here that says. No I'm, I'm good with God. God and me. We're good. But if you've never accepted Jesus as your savior, if you've never believed on him, that he died on the cross and rose again, and you've never surrendered your life to him, you're not good with God. You're not reconciled. You have not been restored. It's only through Jesus and coming to Jesus, believing on him and surrendering your life to him, that we can be restored. Our relationship because of sin needs to be restored. We have been reconciled. The ministry of reconciliation has been entrusted to us. Has been entrusted to us. We have been called to usher others into reconciliation. And what, what does that mean? It means Jesus is the answer. Point people to Jesus. Okay, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. All right. People have an issue. People are broken. People are lost. But when we point people to Jesus and that he's the only answer, he's the only way to be reconciled with God, we are ushering it in. But sometimes we like to say, oh, here, read this book, or, which I mean, I'm not against books. Okay, I'm not against books for outside study and helpful. Okay, that's great. Okay, but the answer is not found in an external book. The answer is only found in a person, and that's Jesus. And so when people come to you or you see hurt and broken people, part of loving people is pointing, I mean, is pointing them to Jesus. It might feel uncomfortable to tell someone, hey, listen, um, you're, ha- you're struggling, you're having a hard time. What you need is Jesus and you need to ask forgiveness for your sins and you need to, and, and I urge you to believe on him and to give your life to him. And not that once we're Christians, we're not going to go through adversity. We, we will. And that grows us in our faith. Faith, But I don't know how some people get through things without Jesus. I really don't. And so, you know, we need to continually, Jesus is the answer, and point people to him. It's been entrusted to us. Have you ever thought about that? As I was reading through, I was like, wow, that's pretty serious. Like, he's entrusting us to tell other people and to usher that in. And so when we don't do that, we're, I feel like I'm being untrust, untrustworthy. The last thing here, second to last thing here, is uh, 
to be an ambassador of the kingdom. Okay, what does it say right after this? Um, it says that we are the ambassadors. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore, implore, implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so be an ambassador of the kingdom of God. The definition of ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country and its official representative to a foreign country. So, you know, like President Barack Obama has sent people to other countries to represent the, the U.S. of A. And his in, in the beliefs of, of America and his presidency. This world, brothers and sisters in Christ, is not our home. We live here, yes, but it is not our home. We may be Americans, but that does not define our true home. Our true home is in heaven and eternity with Christ. We are here on this earth to represent his views. We are here on earth to represent his truth and to make his presence known. We are ambassadors. We are sent from a foreign land, from heaven, right? Because that's where our eternal destination lies. We are sent from heaven to earth to be an ambassador, to represent his truth, his views, and his kingdom. Man, that's, that's big. Are we doing that? Who are we representing here on this earth. Who are we representing? Because this isn't. It, you see it gets really confusing. <laughs> in a world that is marked by consumerism. It does. If that's one thing I've noticed. Since we've gotten back from Africa. It's the consumerism of America. My kids and, Amer- and Tanzania. Never ask for like one thing. We get back to America. And they start seeing commercials and billboards. And all this other stuff. And they're like we want this. We want this. We want this. It was like overload. And we had to have a teachable moment. You're not going to get everything you, you see or want. But sometimes we get caught up in this. I'm building my life here. I'm trying to remember Heidi, Heidi Baker quote. She said something like, um, it is no fool for the one who... Um, who loses all his possessions to gain uh, and and keeps all the possessions that lead to eternity. Um, ba- basically, what she was saying was, listen, it's 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 not foolish to not to not build our kingdom here on earth. Or it is it is foolish to to not give all that away because none of it matters. What matters is eternity in heaven and which kingdom are we building are we trying to set ourselves up real sweet on earth? Because it's not going to last. We are ambassadors. We need to be building God's kingdom and representing God and his views. And guys, today in America, today in this world, it is more important than ever. So many people are having such a skewed worldview. And Jesus is not in it. But as ambassadors of Christ, we have to be able to bring his truth in his views, in his kingdom, into it. And to represent, who are we representing? Do people really know 
do we represent? Not do they know if we go to church. Do they know who we represent and what kingdom we're building? And the last thing I have here, be joyful, be thankful, because you have been made righteous. For our sake, he has made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Simply amazing. Jesus took our sin. Him who knew no sin took our sin so that we can be made righteous. Man, our hearts should be so overflowing with joy and thankfulness. We should be so happy and thankful that Jesus did that for us. That we are counted as righteous. Because I tell you what, if we were standing on our own righteousness, no man could stand, but only on the righteousness of Jesus. And so, you know what, today, I really want us to just let the Lord speak to us because I, I feel like I want, I want us as a church to be, to be very excited about reaching our community, about reaching the people we are in contact with. Because if we, do, if we don't do that, I feel like we're failing. And we need to, I know we're doing things, okay? But I'm, I'm, I'm calling each individual here to say, man, I am choosing to persuade people. I'm excited. You know what? When I, when I, I remember when I first got saved and, and um, you know, you're just so excited. And I'm talking about not, I got saved when I was four, but like, like I rededicated my life and really meant it at seventh, in seventh grade. And I still remember, man, I was so excited. I want to tell everybody, I mean, I wanted to go on a mission. I went on a missions trip. I was like, I was, I was pumped up. I was going down to the square in, the, in our city and telling people about Jesus with this little rope trick that I would still do. And uh, man, people, <laughs> years later, all right. But people were like, people were getting saved on the square. I was asking my parents to bring like drunk people to church. And my parents, I think, thought I was crazy. Okay, but then, then what happens is the, the longer we are more, we just get more comfortable, I feel like, with our Christianity. We just get comfortable with cruising on. We're just, we're just doing it. And we lose some of that passion. Man, I'm praying that we just get real passionate, real on fire for God. And that we are persuading others by the way we live our lives and by the way we're representing him. We're like, man, people are like, what is going on? Like, you know, you think of someone who you really admire and you want to be like. Or maybe when you were a kid, you were like, I mean, kids, Captain America, he's awesome. I want to be just like him. Okay, but like, think about that. Like, we want people to want to be like us because we're such a great representation of Jesus. That they're like, man, that's awesome. Then you'd be like, yeah, no, he's awesome, really. Jesus, that's the reason that, that this is all happening. Okay, we need to be compelled to love people, church. We, it's costly, yes. Are we willing to take that cost to love people? To see people changed by the love of God? You know, I pray that we are. I pray that we do. I pray that we are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. That we are excellent representations. And that we are reconciling people to God because we're sharing it. Obviously, we can't do it, but we can say, man... Jesus is the answer. Come to Jesus and be made right standing with God. Be restored. And so today, you know, I just, I just want to spend just, just a couple minutes 
Uh, maybe the worship team can come up or a worship person. Um, <laughs> rhymes with A and so with Lissa. Okay, uh, I just, I just want to spend some time by, by ourselves just evaluating where we're at with this and pray to God and say, God, help me to, to love. And even ask, I'm asking God to show us people we can love. And today, when you go about your day, look for, look for areas where you, we can have compassion upon people and where we can usher in his presence. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray um, here in just a couple. Alyssa's going to play, and, uh, and we, are, we are just going to pray and, uh, and ask God to help us in, in these areas. So let's look to the, to the Lord, then I'll, then I'll close here. God, we just thank you for your love. God, that you have so graciously bestowed upon us. God, we are so undeserving, but you are, you are so faithful in your love. God, we're thankful that you sent Jesus and that we are made righteous in your eyes because of Jesus. God, we, we, we are so thankful for that. Lord, we just ask, God, that, that for real life church, God, and, and the church as a, and the universal church in general, God, we, we ask, God, for, for ourselves, God, we ask that we are a people, God, your children, that we are people who are marked by love. God, that people can look at us and be like, that is a person who generously loves people, who sees needs and meets needs and points people to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for, for the reconciliation that we have through Jesus and that, that you have done that for us, God. Lord, let us point people to you, God. Point, give us people, God. Holy Spirit, right now, give us people in our lives who we can think of that we need to go back and say, listen, I don't know why I haven't told you this before, but listen, Jesus is the answer. And you need to give it all to him. That's the only way that you can be restored in your right standing. God, let us be ushering in reconciliation. God, I just pray right now, God, Lord, forgive us. God, forgive me for the selfishness in my life. God, for the ways in my life where I'm living for, for myself. God, we just repent. We repent for that. Church, I just ask you to, in your own heart, just repent in the Lord, for the, to the Lord for the ways in our hearts where we've, we've been selfish. God, Lord, I just corporately say that. Lord, we repent as a church. 
God, for areas in our lives where we've been selfish and living selfishly. Lord, we're sorry. It's so wrong. God, we want to live only for you. God, help us to die to ourselves daily so that we can live more for you freely. God, I pray that there is a shift. God, you are doing amazing things. But God, I ask that there is a shift even today. God, where there is just this explosion coming out these doors and people being ushered into your presence. People being brought to Jesus. Lord, I ask that that happens. Lord, that we see Ankeny transformed. God, we, God, we want to go to the, to the least of these in Ankeny. God, we want to go to, to people who are unsaved in Ankeny. God, we want to see them brought to Jesus. God, we want to see a difference being made in this city. God, we thank you for what we're doing, you're doing here. But God, it is not by our power or strength or any of our doing, God. But it is you and you alone. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. And I just want to say, too, if anybody wants prayer or anything like that, I mean, we'll, we'll stay down here and, and pray. Um,